turned it on. Would that help? Yeah. All right. So there we go. Uh, just a magic. Um, so good morning and welcome to Chanel. We're glad that you're here with us today. Um, I know that there are a lot of parents out there that are, are praying for warm weather. I know that a lot of us are, um, especially us parents who spent the last four days with our kids at home, um, especially when the snow melted and it wasn't fun anymore. And so you're like, oh, we're just trapped here. We're trapped here. So anyway, praying for some warm weather. Hopefully it's in the forecast. So um, I want to start with a story that several years ago, uh, we took Isla to Disneyland for the first time. If you've got kids, there's this wonderful thing that airline companies do, as well as like Disneyland, California, those places. Your kids are free until they're three, um, which is honestly the most magical experience about this particular trip, uh, because Isla was completely free. Didn't have to pay for her to get on that plane or to go into that park. But it also meant, because you're taking essentially a baby to a theme park, there's not a lot of stuff that she can do. And so Whitney and I did that great parenting thing where you divide and conquer, where you kind of trade off Judah. Judah gets to have a great day, Isla gets to just see stuff. And so there were times where Judah was riding rides with Whitney, and then I would be with Isla or vice versa. And this one particular day, Isla and, or Judah and Whitney were off riding rides, and I was with Isla, which is honestly wonderful and special. It's great. But I'm with Isla, and again, we're in this area of the park called Toontown, which is dedicated specifically to Mickey Mouse and his friends, but also to small children. And so we're at Toontown. She's kind of walking around, but there's a point where she is clearly like, I need a snack. And that's honestly my state as well in almost all situations. So Isla decides she needs a snack. We, we've got some stuff in her diaper bag, and I, I pull out a box of Cheez-Its. And so we, we sit down on this curb at Toontown, and I'm just, you know, I'm sitting there with Isla. I'm giving her some Cheez-Its. And then I feel something touch me. Now, I, I've talked about this before. I, I don't mind a handshake. I like a hug from time to time, but I don't want to be touched when I'm not prepared to be touched. And I, I feel something larger than me tossing my hair. And I'm like, like somebody is about to, it's like the news, like who punched the person at Disneyland? It was going to be me. Because it was, whatever it was, was behind me, and they were tossing my hair, and it's just this fight or flight moment for me, of like, I've got my daughter here, some strange person at Disneyland is touching me, and I had no idea who it was. And so I do that thing where you turn around to kind of let people know you're serious. Have you ever done that where you're like, I'm, I'm not playing? And so I turn around, and it's none other than Donald Fauntleroy Duck. Now, some of you didn't know this. Donald has a middle name. It's Fauntleroy. Don't know where he gets it from, but that's his middle name. And so Donald Duck uh, is tossing my hair. You think that's weird? Mickey Mouse's middle name? Theodore. First name? Michael. That messes with you. But Donald Duck is tossing my hair, and then eventually takes the Cheez-Its from me, and starts pretending to pour the Cheez-Its all over his duck body. I remember seeing this scene, thinking like, what in the world is going on? Like, we were told this is the most magical place in the world. This is pretty weird. Uh, and also, I'm like, why are you touching me, Donald? So Donald, Dutch, Donald Duck is, is tossing my hair. He's, at this point, taking the Cheez-Its from my daughter, who was snacking on them. And then I look at Isla. And if you've been to Disney or you've been to places like that with kids where there's characters, Isla couldn't, this is me, I'm very excited as well, um, Isla could not take her eyes off of this. 
I mean, from giggling to laughing. He, every every cheese that he took, she thought it was funnier than the one before. And it, it's just, it's me and Isla, because Whitney and, and Judah are off riding rides, and this stranger mom comes up to me and is like, can I take your picture? And I'm like, no, I don't know you either. I'm still worried about this duck. Um, but she's like, no, 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 like, I, I want you to, to capture this memory. Because she could tell, like, I was all in. I love the fact that I was in it. She took our picture with Donald Duck, who still has our Cheez-Its. Um, at this point, I'm like, maybe this person's just hungry, right? But the first thing uh, that I did after we took that picture and, and Donald Duck walked away and, and Isla, like, again, she just loved every moment of it. But the first thing that I did was I called Whitney. I was like, I don't know where you are. You need to make sure that you're sitting down because you will never guess who we just met. Donald Duck just stole our Cheez-Its. Have you ever experienced something like that before? You had a moment or an interaction where it makes such an impact on you that you have to share it with someone. Like you, you look and you search for someone, anyone to share what you just experienced. Now, admittedly, I should have just realized that this was the beginning of my voyage into becoming a Disney adult. But it also hit me how excited I was to share something with someone that I had just experienced. Now, I love talking about my kids. I love talking about Disney. But what's about to happen in the preaching world is something that we call a Jesus juke. It's where we talked about something fun, and then we go into the serious. Because this morning, I want to spend some time talking about the idea of discipleship. A few years ago, we did a church survey which I know sends shivers and, and screeks all around our bodies when we talk about surveys. But we did a church survey with Hope Network. And if you were there and you were along for the ride of that survey, you would know that the worst score that we got on that particular survey, the one that we scored the lowest on, was about inviting people and telling people about our church. Now, I'll admittedly play devil's advocate for just a minute because we had just gone through a lot. We took that survey after we had gone through a major doctrinal change as a church. We'd gone through a, a preaching change as a church. And we had just kind of come out of the pandemic. And so every week was kind of like, maybe next week you should visit. Like, I, I understand that it, like 100%. But I need you to know that it's not just a Chanel-centric problem. Like, yeah, we, we scored low on that as we reflected personally. But if any church took that survey at that time, they would probably score the exact same. Now, there's a, a research group that I, I love to talk about because I'm super fun at parties, and it's a church research group called Barna. And they do a wonderful job of evaluating where the church is, where the church is likely headed. And in, in 2022, they did a survey where they asked people specifically about discipleship and sharing one's faith. And in this 2022 survey, they found that 56% of respondents said that faith should not be shared and it's entirely private. Now, there's a lot of us that want to be like, oh, well, let's make some lemon out of lemonade. There's 44% that believe the other way. But I'll show you kind of where that data comes from. This is a 2021 survey they did called the Spectrum of Discipleship Community. Now, it's very small, which is great for when you're presenting it. But on this left side here, it says not engaged in discipleship is 39%. There's also a 28% that says they're only being discipled, and then a 5% that says only discipling others. Friends, those are not great numbers. And they went a little bit further in their research, and they found, why aren't you doing this? And the, the, prayer, excuse me, the, the, uh, the reasons why people say they're not doing this 
are all reasons that we have done from time to time if we're honest with ourselves. You've got a large percentage that says, I haven't thought about it. Another percentage says, I haven't found someone who would want this kind of discipleship with, relationship with. And then you hear the ones that, that I hear a lot that I've felt from time to time. I don't know how to begin this type of relationship with someone. It isn't easy for me to be vulnerable. I don't know what it would require. I don't need a person like this in my life. I just don't think having someone like this is important. Now, our, our society in, in general has become extremely individualistic and hyper-ready to reject just about anything. Think about that for a moment. How often do you see something on the news and think, there is no way this is possibly true? For example, if I told you that the Arkansas Tourism Department sent a laser beam into space to invite aliens to visit Arkansas, you would say there is no way that's possible. And you'd be right, because that happened in Kentucky. The Kentucky Department of Tourism sent a laser beam into space to tell people, to tell space aliens, you got to see what we're doing in Lexington. A couple questions. How do we know the aliens speak English? Again, and what if they do come? Like, are you prepared for that? You've got the message out there, but what do you do if they come? But my point is this. It shows you the level of hostility that makes it difficult for anyone to have the confidence to share their faith or testimony or church experience with anyone. So the real question that we are confronted with is how do we grow? How does discipleship take place in our culture in 2024? But before we can answer how, we have to address why. Why do we want to grow? Why do we want to disciple? Is our motivating factor to have the biggest church in central Arkansas? Is, is there a desire to just have a larger contribution because we've got more people? Is it so that the people who left, maybe they feel like they've made the wrong decision if they see us growing? I mean, these are serious questions that we have to ask ourselves before we can get to that conversation of discipleship and growth. And I'll say this, as an individual that's been in church for a long time, that's worked with churches, that's worked with people who work with churches, if our reason for discipleship is number-based, you'll always be chasing something. It's never going to be enough. That's just the reality of having numbers-based goals. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to the size of our church. But our motivating factor should be beyond, we just want to have the biggest church. A church's why should always be to build relationships and bring individuals closer to Christ. This is not church building, this is kingdom building. This is not about having the largest church, but about having the biggest impact in our community through the relationships and legacy building that can occur here. The why of this church must always be focused on God, on what God can do, and how God grants us the opportunity to participate in this mission. That is why our why has to be grounded in Christ. Jesus talks about individuals whose hearts are not in the right place. And we often call them Pharisees. In Matthew 15, the Pharisees challenge Jesus on something. Now this is something that I've struggled with, and I don't mean to make a joke of it, but I think the Pharisees are kind of okay on this particular issue. The Pharisees, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Again, we can talk about that later, but that's at its core what this dialogue is beginning on, is the disciples are not washing their hands, and in the minds of the Pharisees, they are breaking the law. They are breaking the tradition, the commandments that were taught, that were instilled, that show that you're a good person, that show that your why is in the right place. And so Jesus quotes from Isaiah, and he says, you hypocrites. 
Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus' words are stating that their why isn't in the right place. They are more concerned about building on earth and how others view them than they are with inviting more people into the kingdom of heaven. Friends, discipleship only works when a relationship has already been established. Look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul says, Just as a nursing mother cares for their children, for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the, the, the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because a relationship has been established, communication and transparency can occur. The type of relationship that grows churches, friends, does not come from fall fest or food truck nights. I'm not discounting the need for those, and I'm not saying that we won't do those things. Because those are absolutely wonderful ways to open up our doors to the community. Opportunities to highlight who we are and what we're about. But discipleship in the way that Jesus describes and that Paul reinforces has to do with spending time with the person. Enduring the ups and downs of life with that person. That type of discipleship makes an impact on the person and this church. But again, it must be done with love. Another famous passage from Paul comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Famously called the chapter of love. This is often used in weddings to talk about the relationship between a man and a wife. But it also talks about the value of relationships in church harmony. But look at what Paul writes here. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. We have an old, out-of-tune piano in our front room of our house. It's kind of our, our office area. It's where our kind of family computer is. It's where if I'm working from home, I'm working from there. And do you want to know in my house who loves playing that out-of-tune piano? Judah Kittinger and Isla Kittinger. They will bang on that piano all day long. And you know who can't play the piano? Those same kids, Judah and Isla Kittinger. All they are doing is making noise. They are not making music because they don't know. Their intentions are just to make sounds. It's not to play the piano or to make music. And often when they choose to do this, it's when we're on the phone or trying to finish something on the computer. But you see where I'm going with this. Unless our hearts are in the right place, more specifically, the why we want to grow and disciple people, it won't matter. And do you know who will be the first to call us out on our lack of authenticity? The very people we are trying to reach. The people who have been disconnected from church. The people who have been hurt by church. We want Chanel to be a place for them. And it is as long as we approach those, those opportunities with love. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about, whoops, spent a lot of time talking about the what and the why, and I want to end with the how. How do we do this in 2024? See, years ago, you would do revivals or gospel meetings. You would bring in a, a fancy, it had to be out of town, fancy out of town speaker, and you would make it an event, and then you would hook them in with programs or, or different things that they would have to come back to the church, kind of trick them into staying. And for a while, that worked. But our world has changed. 
And so have people. People are busier now than they've ever been. We live hyper-planned and scheduled lives to the point that many of us know what we're going to be having in two weeks on Tuesday night for dinner. So how do we break into that as a church? Because as Paul writes in Romans, as, as Ryland read just a little bit, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? It is our responsibility to share the gospel. We have a role and a place in the message being shared. And again, if we don't share it, how will they know? But what does this look like? For me, it comes down to a similar way that we kind of parent in our house. There are often teachable moments in, in Judah's life when he asks questions about life or random things like, which one is the worst planet? It's Pluto, because we didn't want it to be a planet anymore. But you can see, you can see where I'm going, that you can either ignore those moments or lean into those. When God opens up an opportunity for you to share your faith, don't ignore it. Allow God to use your voice to speak into someone else's life. Those same people who think that their faith is private are likely the same individuals who desperately need to be seen, who desperately need to be included, and who desperately need to know that they have a purpose and a need in a community. For as we live in a private society, but that also means that it's lonely. So our how is being good friends good neighbors, good co-workers, and good students. Starting in February, we're going to offer one event a month that is a simple form of engagement. Some will be faith-based, but others may be as simple as a Super Bowl get-together in the Wortham. We're going to try different things and see what works, but what I'm asking from you right now is that if you see an opportunity that comes up to share what we are doing here at Chanel with someone in your life, tell them. We're going to be using social media a lot this year to communicate and share our, our events. I put stuff, our, our events and activities that we're doing. But as my grandmother, Miss Janine, would often say, nothing beats a personal invitation. So share, invite, and continue to go to the ends of the earth. Let's stand and sing together.